Hello, you're listening to No Such Word Is Can't with me, Hazel McBride. I was always told growing up that there was no such word as can't, and I genuinely believe that that mentality instilled a belief in me that anything was possible if I just set my mind to it. As someone who started off with a seemingly impossible dream and somehow made it my reality, I want to help more people achieve their goals by giving them actionable advice, as well as sharing stories from others who have done the same. Today, I get to sit down with Megan Golightly. Uh, she is the expert on everything organization and uh, runs her own company, Simplified. Welcome to the podcast, Megan. Thank you. Thank you. Across, I, the, across the pond. I know we're doing our best with uh, with this connection at the moment, but for anyone uh, who knows me, they know that I pretty much keep my house very spick and span. So you are like my dream guest. Uh, for anyone who might not know who you are or isn't familiar <laughs> with your business, could you give yourself a brief introduction? Sure. I live and work in Calgary, Alberta, but because of social media, my reach is to hundreds of thousands of people. And my message really is um, about organization, but beyond that, and I think more importantly, it's about the psychology behind why it's hard to get organized, why we get stuck, why we like to hang on to things and tips and tricks and ways to understand ourselves better so that we can more easily let go and it just flows into life then really these are things we know about relationships and boundaries and all you know all different walks of things except organization and we kind of we're hunters and gatherers and we want to hang on to things so i've been working with clients for 14 years and now on social media and with my guides i'm able to help people so that they can do their own spaces and look at their own things in a different way with a different perspective that maybe they haven't thought about before so that it's more easy to let go. Amazing. I mean, I think it's really interesting how different people have different ways of organizing in their own homes and people there's definitely a spectrum of people who are very organized and very disorganized myself and my husband are definitely very different end, ends of that spectrum. Right. Um what first got you interested in, not just in psychology, but in organization? Well, I mean, I, I have a background in psychology, but what I, and, and I've had multiple different careers. And then I started helping people organize probably mm. again, about 14 years ago. But what's really interesting that I, a lot of people don't think about is we think of the word organized and organizing and organization, but really what's behind it is clutter and it's things and it's stuff. And so the way that I explain it is the clutter part is very important. Clutter is like getting your learner's license and understanding clutter and how it affects us. And then organizing is really like the next phase of getting your driver's license because you can't organize until you've decluttered. Mm -hmm. And you, it, it's like understanding the mechanics of a car, right? You, you could get in a car and drive, which is organizing, but when you really understand your vehicle and what's behind it and how it works, then the organizing will be easy. It's very interesting. Sense? Yeah. Yeah. I think 
I think because I am already quite an organized person, I never, I don't really have much stuff to declutter <laughs> in in the first place. Um, so for people, I I can imagine it can get quite overwhelming if they have a lot of a lot to declutter in their homes. Uh, where do you usually recommend that people people start with that? <laughs> That's a good question. Well, again, understanding the mechanics behind why you've collected the clutter mm. and you know, it's usually out of fear and guilt and shame. Um, a lot of people inherit things from their parents and mm. they don't have boundaries to say, this is what I do and don't want in my life. Um, as far as physical places to start in your house, it's really easiest. The best place to start is your bathroom because you don't have a lot of sentimental things in your bathroom. You're mm. not going to have photos. You're not going to have the drawings. You're not going to have your antiques. So usually a bathroom is a good place to start, but you're, so your brain or the neurology behind it is that your brain needs to learn that, that the wiring of how to be successful. And so if you start in a room that's got so much stuff and it's so triggered and loaded with sentimentality, you'll likely fail. And then you get anxiety paired with decluttering or what you think is organizing. Really, it's decluttering. But I always say to people, start in the bathroom. I have really very useful guides that that are tailored to each room in your house because different rooms are different as far as, far as how you approach them. Um, but the psychology behind why you're stuck to me, it's 80% of it. And the organizing, the physical work is 20. Mm. Um, yeah, it's, it's, there's fascinating reasons why we hang on to things and different ways that different questions we can ask ourselves to more easily let go. Interesting. Do you think some of it could be learned behavior? Like you, yeah, like you, 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 yeah, like you, you see your parents, you know, hanging on to things and then you might as well. Absolutely. I mean, we use their, their tone, we, we model after them. So if you had a parent, and it was a different generation, right, they hung on to things because they had to possibly because they'd lived through the depression, or they'd immigrated somewhere and, and mm. needed things. And people, young people are different these days, they just don't need as much and we feel different with less it's okay to have less but then it was a different time but if you watched a parent and you heard repeatedly you need to keep that just in case what if maybe you should keep two keep a backup and you know why would you get rid of that it's perfectly it's perfectly good if you kept hearing why to hang on to it you wouldn't be thinking why should I not hang on to it mm -hmm. so I always tell my clients I mean, there's, I think, classic seven reasons why people hang on to things. But I I educate in my guides and when I'm working with clients, because ultimately I want you to be able to do this on your own. That's why I have the guides, is ask yourself three questions. And that's really all that matters. Do I love this thing, whatever it is? Do I use this thing? And would I go out and buy this thing tomorrow? Because mm -hmm. there's a huge mentality of if it's free, it's for me. So we're hunters and gatherers and we hang on to things because that's how we used to survive. But it isn't so much anymore. So if you stick to those three questions and kind of try to train yourself to always think about those three questions, you can, you know, our brains are, there's neuroplasticity and we can reprogram our brains so that we don't tell the story about the story about the story of why to keep it. Instead, we flip it and think about why why we should let it go, why we don't need it. 
I think I really, really like the fact that that's broken down into slightly easier steps. And it takes practice, it takes practice. It's like learning a new language. Yeah, I feel like I have a quite good practice with it. I've lived in like five different countries, so I've had to become a little bit less materialistic and leaving stuff behind. And I find right. it very funny. Um, I went home last year to kind of get rid of a lot of stuff from my childhood bedroom. And my mom wanted to hang on to so much stuff and she got really um, hung up on old DVDs that she'd bought me. And obviously in this day and age, we all have Netflix and streaming services. So we don't, I don't even have a DVD player. Like I don't even know what I would play a what? DVD on. Right. But what she gets really hung up on, and I completely understand why from the way that she grew up, she's very frugal, you know, she doesn't spend a lot of money, is the money aspect. It's I've spent money on this, so I don't want to give it up now. Yeah, that's one of the reasons why we hang on to things. But you have to respectful, like in a respectful way, um, I know a lot of people who push those things then on their kids and make them take them. Mm. And then, you know, you feel guilty. Some people feel guilty, but people need to remember the the theory of sunk costs. You know, when you buy something, it instantly almost becomes a sunk cost. The money's gone. You're not mm -hmm. going to get the money back by hanging on to it. Yep. But there are costs to keeping things that cost more to you as a human and to mm. your soul and your spirit than the item. So those DVDs might cost mental health cost because mm. you're always thinking about them and you're stressing about them and you're, you're, you're rethinking the problem over and over again. Whereas if they were just gone, you wouldn't think about it and you'd be free to read a book. You'd be free to do something else. You'd be, be easier to clean. Right. So yeah. there's the mental health cost. There's the physical where you're managing the managing of the managing of the stuff. It takes up space. Some people mm -hmm. rent storage lockers for their things that they don't have the heart to get rid of. You know, it, there's a ton of costs to keeping things. And often the DVD cost becomes more important than your cost. And so that's what I try to gently remind people of is that you're worth way more than that CD collection. Mm -hmm. So we just need to flip the perspective and say, what does, what freedom does comes with getting rid of things? And I'm not saying minimalism, but keeping things just for the sake of keeping them because you've spent money on them. I feel is not correct. Pass them, donate them, sell them, do whatever, but don't keep them just because you've purchased them. Yeah, I agree. We came to a really nice um, compromise where I took all of the Good. DVDs out of the cases and I put them into like a small kind of, I don't even know what you would call Bullet. that. Like a, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that's inside a very small box in, Good. in my office. And we got rid, we recycled all the plastic cases. So you know, you can come to a compromise that works that works yeah. for both of you. And, you know, if there is no cost for someone like your mom, if there's, I bet you there's a cost somewhere, but if there is no cost, then I tell people not to worry about it. You know, the wedding dress is a, are you married? I am. Yeah. Yeah. So the wedding dress is one that stirs up a lot of emotions with women and I guess men, if they chose to wear whatever they, not so mm. much, but, um, the wedding dress, people feel it really symbolizes, you know, it's almost like a wedding ring. Mm. And it really isn't. It's it's an outfit you chose to wear for, wear for the day. And, mm -hmm. you know, really the best thing to do with a wedding dress, because you have multiple pictures, is to sell it a year later when it's still in style, 
or donate it because somebody mm. can't afford a wedding dress. But for some reason, we hang on to it almost thinking it'll jinx the marriage if we get rid of it. Or <laughs> it's it's a symbol of love and happiness. And you're giving up on your wedding if you get rid of the wedding dress. Mm. I, I find it fascinating. It even took me a long time to get rid of mine. But my aunt think, made her wedding dress into a christening dress. For yeah, which is great. So you're reusing, you know, but if you've got it in a box and you're keeping it just out of the hope that your daughter is going to wear it, mm. you know, there's a cost to that. And then you have to maintain the material in a special mm -hmm. box and your daughter likely won't want it. But, you know, it, it if you have all the room in the world in your house, keep it. But certainly don't push it on someone that you, you know, one of your children and say, you know, I hope you wear this right out of guilt, yeah. because then your child will feel there's Pressure. emotion attached to things. Yeah. I, mm -hmm. I mean, I just find it fascinating. I there's, there's so much behind our items and how we are not our items. And, you know, it, it, our, our ancestry is not really the items. There are pictures that we don't need the physical thing. And, yeah. and like I said, there's a cost. Usually I definitely inherited some of my mom's mentality of, you know, you spend money on something, you want to get your use out of it. Use because of it. Yeah. we um, started our own tradition of every year on our anniversary, we'll put our outfits back on ah. and take a photo. Um, yeah. So this year, you know, the dress still fit. Uh, so we took like nice photos with our dog because he wasn't there with us on the wedding <sighs> day. But, you know, in the future, I just have this image, you know, maybe one year we'll switch outfits and I'll wear his suit and he'll oh. pretend to put my dress on or... <laughs> You know, if, you know, we have kids or if I'm pregnant in the future, we can do a funny one where it doesn't zip up anymore. You know, just just a nice way that we can then have new memories and new photos with it. Yeah. And that's that is fine. As long as you're not living in a 400 square foot apartment. Yeah. And the dress is in your closet <laughs> where clothes should be like if there's exactly. if there's a cost. So I'm not sort of the evil get rid of everything person. I'm just really cognizant of what it's doing to you as a person you know what happens if you lose a bunch of weight because you're ill or you put on some weight and you can't get the dress on and then there's guilt and shame and you know other things get associated with it so if you have a plan for it and you use it that's great but I just say things should earn their right to be in your life things mm -hmm. as well and they should earn their right to be in your house um, and if it doesn't bother you, no problem. But if it causes you stress, which usually things clutter cause women, they cause their cortisol levels to go up. It's been scientifically proven. So usually the more stuff you have, the higher cortisol you have. And, and so chemically there's a, there's a cost, but there's beautiful things that happen too with like your story about your wedding dress. But, um, some people take it where it's just sitting in the garage and no one's using it. And some bride would love it who can't afford it if you donated it yeah very true I mean I know my cousin mm -hmm. emigrated to Australia and took her wedding dress and it's been in the box ever since yeah um, yeah but I love um you you have your own blog um on your website and you talk a lot about setting boundaries um and a lot of people feel guilt in hanging on to things you know whether it was a gift or a present or something inherited they might not necessarily want it but it has to stay in their home because of the meaning that we've attached to it. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? You know, I invite you to think about those things. And, you know, the, I mean, the wedding dress example, too, is I kept it because my biological father who walked me down the aisle with my stepfather, he, my biological father passed away. And I thought, mm. you know, it reminded me of him in that day. And if he knew 
And then subsequently I was divorced and, you know, there's a bit of trauma associated with that dress, mm. maybe. And it sat up on a shelf and I saw it every time I came into the garage. So it's, it's part of the past and, you know, it was a beautiful thing. We had children, but when it becomes a burden or a cost, then I say it's time. And if my father knew that I was hanging on to it kind of for him, he would say, get rid of the dress. Yeah. Right. So the friend, if you're hanging on to something and you really don't like it, but you're worried that they might criticize you or get mad at you, you need to really think about what you're saying when you say that, you know, is that mm. then a good friend that if you said, you know, all of these candles that you've collected on every trip and you brought home to me, I don't really use them. I don't like them. There's a cost. I think if it's, if it's a good friend or a healthy relationship, they would say, don't worry about it. Donate them, you know, don't worry about it. Um, so don't let their problems become your problems in a way too. Again, yeah. if you're using it and you love it, great. But if you're not, and you're just keeping it just because you're worried, they might see that you don't have it. You need to have a real conversation with that person and just say, I choose to live my life with less things. And I love that gift you gave me and I enjoyed it. And now I donated it. Yeah, I think there's also definitely a difference in people, you know, there might be some people who are very able to hang on to a lot of things in their house and can tolerate a certain level of clutter. Right. And then there's other people who you know, like myself, I have generalized anxiety disorder. If my mm -hmm. house isn't tidy, my brain doesn't function. So there's definitely right. a link between organization or lack of clutter in your house and your mental health. Absolutely. And, you know, I find that a lot of artists and creative people can handle more brighter colors, you know, and that's, that's wonderful. That's great. But, you know, we usually help people who are struggling on one level of the costs, financial mm. space, time, money, health relationships, you know, physical health, mental health. If there's any of those costs involved, then you need some help. And, and decluttering and organizing aren't things that your parents taught you usually. Mm. In fact, they taught you the opposite. So <laughs> it's okay to get help by getting a guide and admitting that it's not a skill that's inherent, you know, in fact, we're hard, we're, we're wired to be the opposite. We're wired to be hunters and gatherers and to keep things. So it's okay to get help and learn and, and, and see what that change feels like. What advice would you have to, for instance, the partner of someone who really struggles huh. with clutter um, or, you know, that, that clutter or messy house has a very big mental mental toll or it takes a mental toll on them. What would you say to that person, how they can be more supportive? So your partner likes things and you don't? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, but in general, mm. that's what you're asking? I mean, if you, I mean, we can talk about it in my marriage. My husband hangs yeah. on to everything and I want to get rid of everything. <laughs> right. So- <laughs> you know, for sure it is, it is challenging. And, you know, hoarding is one thing. It's, it's a serious condition mm. related to anxiety and depression. Um, but you can, you know, you can have a stressful environment when one person is doing one thing and the other is doing the other, and it doesn't mm. jive with you. I would just say, you have to communicate openly and respectfully and just say, you know, start the conversation. You've heard a podcast and you talked about some, you heard someone talk about the costs of clutter and you never really thought about it that way. So you need to talk about your well-being when you share that living space. Um, you know, 
it takes a lot of patience and being supportive and not judging, but I think you need to educate the other person on the costs and how they might not be seeing those costs, but there are costs mm. to you. So getting systems into place, getting a bin that's for things, you know, that says donation on the side so that those things have a place to go. Often people don't donate things because they don't have sort of that transition place for those things. They want to mm. donate it, but then it just lives in their closet because it means they have to get in the car and donate it. Um, yeah, like so set, if you outside, have a bin, set out time in your day, like, hey, I'm going to do this. And then afterwards, we're going to go straight there. Yeah, or keep a bin that's the, the sort of in the meantime bin that you know, and then yeah. take it once a month, but you need to set up that system. So the first thing is you have to communicate and set those boundaries and, and talk about how your brains are wired different ways. Um, you know, the same way as if you were li living with somebody who is ADHD and you weren't, you mm. know. It, it's okay to have that conversation and hopefully that person would respect what you're saying and hear you on some level. It's going to take some practice. Mm -hmm. Um, but it, if, you know, if you're in a loving sharing relationship, they should respect that there is a cost to you, one of those costs. And ultimately it's not going to benefit your team if it continues. Um, yeah, you, you know, you have to, you have to take care of yourself too, while respecting you know, respecting that they, their brain is, is wired a different way. Um, but communication, I think is the most important thing, respectful communication, but to start to have, be brave and have that conversation with your mother-in-law, with whoever it is, who's dumping stuff on you. Yeah. And I think as well, you know, it goes for not even, you know, marriage or, or people who are in a relationship, it could be roommates, you know, it right. could be, it could be housemates as well, just very respectfully saying, okay, well, how do you guys like to live? You know, what are you guys comfortable with? Does it really make you anxious if all these dishes are piling up or are you, are you okay with it? Can you leave them to air dry? Do you yeah. ever think that potentially um, for some people who really do like their houses to be perfectly organized and pristine and potentially don't feel like they can cope otherwise, does it become a crutch? Can it, can it be a negative thing? Well, I think, you know, we all know that there's compulsive behaviors where it becomes too much, uh, you know, to, I mean, it's a lifestyle choice if you're mm -hmm. a minimalist. Um, I think that sometimes it becomes, there is another issue and people control what they try to control the physical environment, but perhaps there's something else going on. Um, you know, I am not a psychologist. I am a coach um, who has worked with people for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I think that there, there's people certainly could take it. You know, I have a good friend and she's like, I don't keep anything. Like, is that a problem? <laughs> and, you know, it, it could be if, again, if you're not, if, if you're not communicating with those who live mm -hmm. in your house and around you and it's bothering them. So, yeah, it's 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 a community. It's a it's a conversation you absolutely have to have, like you said, when you're living with people, or it just eats away at the relationship, and then you know you get resentment and stonewalling yeah. and um, disrespect and sarcasm, all the bad things that kill a relationship. 
I think also mindset um, around the keeping of things or accepting of things can really be helpful. Uh, also on your blog, you wrote about unwanted gifts. And this is something actually that my mum taught me. And I approach it with the mentality of sustainability. You know, I really, mm. I, I don't enjoy throwing things away. If I'm going to get rid of things, I give them to someone in my life who really wants it or I would don donate it. I don't like throwing things out. So if I get given a gift that I'm not going to use and I don't like, I have a box under my bed that is the re-gifting box mm -hmm. that will do someone else in my life. So whenever there is a birthday or next Christmas or whatever, I will keep things under that bed for a year. And my mom has done this her whole life. Um, and my mindset around that is there's nothing wrong with re-gifting an item because no. it shows that you've thought about that person um, rather than throwing it away. And, you know, I think that's true. And it's great that what's important there is you have a system for it, right? Mm -hmm. The the gifted item often gets put out or put somewhere. And then it's all about not having a home for it to go back to or a right. home for it to go to. So I call that towns because it's kind of funny. And, you know, and I say <laughs> most places in people's homes should have towns. Like there should be sports town and, you you know, appliance town and garage town garage town can be broken down but things everything should belong to a family of similar things and if you think about it if you get something that doesn't really fit in like it's a gift and and you don't really have that town and you don't keep those things then that's a pretty good indication that it's something that you don't use it's not useful for you and it's not something you would go out and buy but like you said, re-gifting, if the item is new and you know that somebody else would appreciate it, for sure mm -hmm. re-gift it. And there's a way to tactfully do that so that you don't offend the giver. Um, but as you said, if you set out that intention that you are on a new mindset to be, you know, more planet friendly or, you know, they perhaps could buy you gifts then are which are consumables or getting a back massage or doing something different other than an item just because their love language is to give a physical item yeah. it may not be yours um, but I think there's easy ways to communicate that it's just a conversation that's hard to start but once it gets going everybody should be happier um you know I should mention here it's it's very funny I my husband is Dutch and I live in the Netherlands and something that really offends my British sensibilities but they do really <laughs> well here is it's very normal for people to just come out and ask for what they want so mm. usually around about Christmas or your birthday people will start making like online wish lists mm -hmm. and people will just go on to it and be like oh, okay I'll get them that so for the most part people will always get exactly what they want or you know like my mother-in-law will always message us and be like hey this is my budget what do you guys want for Christmas mm -hmm. which for me as a Brit is that it's too direct I'm like oh I can't tell you I can't tell you exactly yeah. what I want I don't like it but from from like a usefulness standpoint it makes complete sense it does yeah but I do love the gifts of time and something that you'll use like just not a physical item but I love experiences um, as a gift right experiences or a consumer you know something yeah. you know that you'll eat and enjoy or yeah it, it's it's fascinating but that's what I try to put on my Instagram and my blog is just you know other than how to organize which I do as well I think 
all of the psychology behind it is is really fascinating and we're all familiar with it you know it's very relatable mm, definitely have a dark sense of humor and love books look no further than parody bookmarks and stickers by buncy book club love to hate colleen hoover want to make fun of your favorite main characters there's a bookmark out there for you. Find them now at buncybookclub.com or at buncybookclub on socials. So we've spoken a lot about um, the importance of communication when you're sharing your space with someone else. What about those people who are sharing their space with tiny humans who don't necessarily understand communication as well um what advice do you have for parents out there who are just trying to keep on top of things well i think that you know we know that their prefrontal cortex is just not developed and it's just not a priority and that's not what they're learn they're not necessarily learning mm -hmm. but what they are learning in those first two years is i think it's the equivalent of 50 years of our later life they learn in two years but mm. so they are taking it in so i you know not with a one-year-old but um it becomes i think the first part of keeping your life clutter-free and um, organized when you have small children is just not thinking that more is better you know mm. children do learn there are studies that they learn um, they learn more when they have less. So we talk a lot about toy rotation systems where you put things in bins and rotate them in and out. But if they become overstimulated with too much toy, too many toys, it's just not even good for them. So if you're buying them things out of guilt because you're working or not with them, you know, more is not better for sure. As they get older, I think it's fantastic to teach them those three questions. Do you love this stuffy? Do you use this stuffy? Would you go and buy this stuffy? Even if they say yes to all of them, they're learning those questions themselves. And so at some point they will see that they can donate it and, and cheer someone else's life up. Mm. So I invite you to take them to donate things and, and let them know that they were born on second base or third base and how lucky and privileged they are. Um, to have so much and to share, but I think it's a great thing to let them hear your language of those three questions. Yeah. yeah and also Instead adding of, value yeah. to the things that they do have. Right. Instead of, um, well, maybe you'll wear those pants someday if, you know, or forcing them to keep something that it's not their style as they're a little bit older, respect, respect them rather mm -hmm. than, well, I spent money on this, so you need to keep it. Um, mm -hmm. Same principles apply, but I, I think it's an even better opportunity to talk about those three questions and let them hear it so that they are learning it because then they are, like I said, no one teaches you these things, how to declutter. But if you do tell them those three questions then they are essentially learning a, yeah. a new way to look at things. Yeah, I think for people just getting started as well, you know, the idea of reorganizing our homes can feel really overwhelming, you know, especially if you look at all of those polished perfect instagram kitchen storage videos etc so what are some kind of realistic solutions that the average person could use um well i my instagram is really about progress over perfection so mm -hmm. we've you know we've worked in clients homes we reuse what they have we've worked in you know celebrities homes and we use what they have 
If you like everything to match and you want it to be in color coded, everything, that's great. Then you can strive for that. But I, most people are struggling at the, you know, they're, they're not even up to the, the batter's box. Right. Mm -hmm. So I talk about decluttering first. Um, but you, you know, again, you can't, when you say you're overwhelmed to start, you don't start with organizing, you start with decluttering because mm -hmm. likely you're a good organizer. You just have too much stuff. So my big thing to people is let's be real here and let's stop telling the story about the story about why you're keeping all these things. And let's think differently about, do you need these things? And as people start to shed things off, they feel great. And then they spend less because when they're shopping, they say, I don't really need this thing. You know, it's, it's sort of an impulse buy. So yeah. people don't start at organizing. They started decluttering. Um, but when you do have it down to what you want, it is important to keep things contained in a shoebox. It doesn't matter, or a clear container or a bin, whatever you can afford. But it is good to designate a home at, or a town so that light bulbs are all together. And, you know, there's a town for tools. There's a town for the pet things. So that when you go to get it or you explain to your spouse, can you go get the dog leash? It has a home, so it eliminates mm. fighting. It eliminates that stress of, you know, trying to concentrate on where you put it last because just like the garage houses the car, these other things house the things that belong to go back to them. And again, things stray and things get put down and that's fine, but then it's easier to tidy because things have a place to go back to. So then it becomes important to set up the systems. And to me, that's what organization about is about is setting up systems and making homes for things. And if you have too many things that exceed the drawer, you have a problem with too many things. It's not, mm -hmm. the, you know, the drawer is the bad guy, not you. Yeah. I love that, you know, you break it down into such manageable steps and you've mentioned some of your services already. So what kind of services do you offer people? Well, in Calgary, we do, we have a team of people that go and help to organize their homes, but my big focus is these guides that are, that are very affordable. And I'm coming out with video courses too, that people can do, because sometimes they just want to see my face and be as if I'm in the room with them, coaching mm -hmm. them. Some people are more just, I can read a PDF guide and they're 50 pages long. Like there's every step in them of just <laughs> how to start, how to ask the right questions. You know, it's heavier on that end because I'm big on that end and probably less on the, how to organize it perfectly. But that's why I have the guides is so that people can go onto my website and get one for any room that they want to get after and stand a chance. And if you follow the steps, you should be successful. Amazing. And it sounds like you're so passionate, not only about helping people, but also running your own business. Was it always your dream to have your own business? Uh, I've, you know, different, different seasons in my life. You know, I think I've always been an innovator and an entrepreneur at heart, but I've, I've had lots of different careers. And this is sort of the them all cooked up into one cake. And I do love it because um, I can help people. I still talk to people. I see people. I can help people online. I just, I think the freedom that when people, when they get that aha moment of what it feels like to live with less or in a bit of an organized mm. environment is so strong that I love to try to inspire people to try it. 
Yeah. So if people have been inspired by this episode um, and they would maybe like to inquire about one of your guides, where can they get in touch? So my website is, my last name is Go Lightly and my company is Simplified. So the website is go-simplified. Um, so dot com. So www.go-simplified.com or on Instagram at Go Simplified. Those are the two easy places to find me. Um, and the guides are all there and there's blogs and challenges and free information and all sorts of things. But there's a lot of information on the Instagram too for for free to to get your thinking about why you're stuck because it's usually not your fault. You just have too much stuff and you don't know what to do with it all. Absolutely. Well, I don't know about anyone else listening, but I now want to go and have a massive <laughs> clear out of my entire house. Not that there's much to clear out already. Um, but Megan, thank you so much for taking the time out of your very busy day to share all of your wisdom with us and uh, come on the pod. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. I love it. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you have enjoyed this week's episode, then please don't forget to like, rate and subscribe and I will catch you all next week.